0: Welcome to Radio Free Murktown, a podcast focusing on and funded by the gaming community at ExplorersUnlimited.com. More than just another play-by-post website, Explorers Unlimited is one of the world's largest online communities of Palladium Books fans who are taking part in a single epic storyline in each dimension within which all player characters can interact. Explorers Unlimited, where the only thing missing from the greatest adventures ever imagined is you. And now here's the host of Radio Free Murktown, Lloyd Ritchie.
1: Welcome to Radio Free Mertown, this is episode number 62, uh, Newcomer Feedback, Questions, and Experiences. I am your host, as always, Lloyd, aka uh, Augur, on Explorers Unlimited and everywhere else. Uh, and today, so we have a kind of an open forum discussion about uh, the website with uh, some new players to the site. Um, I think mostly due to my being an obnoxious uh, advertiser on Discord. Uh, uh, so we have uh three folks who are gonna introduce themselves and Andy, I'll let you start it off.
2: Hi, I'm Andy, uh Andread on Savage Rifts and Brian Zimon in the Chitown Rising Stars campaign.
3: Hi, I'm Kaumudi, um comms for friends. I am looking forward to playing PTS. Um and so I don't have a character yet, but I hope to have one soon.
4: I'm Skip and I play Rourke Bergeron in the upcoming Dead Rain campaign, and I also play Julia Silverwood in the upcoming Humble Origins Riffs campaign on Roll 20.
1: Cool beans. Nice to get you all in, on the on the podcast. And uh so FYI, um I guess we'll, we'll, we're going to take this pretty casual, um, <laughs> uh, the, your guys's experiences and impressions so far. Um, let's, let's go with EU and comms that like, uh, like she said, she's still waiting. She's holding out, uh, for the beyond the supernatural campaign, which. That's uh, right. Yeah. Small plug. Uh, John is just looking for maybe one or two other players to commit and he'll, he'll launch it. Uh, And a side note uh, for Skip, uh, Dead Rain is ready to start, ready to launch. We're just going to give James time to recover from his in-hospital chemo. And so once he's done with all that, then we'll badger him about uh, about being an active GM and getting us started.
4: Absolutely. It takes what it takes, and I'm excited to start when we're ready.
1: Yes the best attitude so uh but yeah and so yeah if you have any interest in maybe playing a latent psychic or maybe an autistic savant or something like that or maybe just a a a ballsy appalachian ghost hunter uh you know back in the 20s uh contact john aka consumer on eu and uh he would be very happy to uh get your interest and uh your commitment to the game. Um so I uh, let's start off with Andy, I suppose. Uh comms doesn't have any um uh, yet uh, experience on EU. Uh so we'll do the EU side first and then we'll kick it over to the roll 20 and what everyone's experiences have been. Uh Andy, why don't you start us off? What what have you been your experiences on the any of the websites? Uh because we have Shadows Unlimited, Savage Rifts, and Explorers Unlimited. So uh What's been your experiences so far
2: well i guess i could say they're easy enough to stumble through um because i think i picked up a link first to the savage rifts discord from probably the kickstarter and I stumbled on there and I, I saw this campaign going and i went oh yeah give that a try uh and uh it's a great little campaign patrick's uh running and i i just kind of oh oh and i need to sign up for a website too oh okay and i need to put this post here oh, oh okay and uh without looking too far ahead i've I've wound up just sort of joining in
1: <laughs> awesome uh, and so how how long uh how much of a pain in the neck was character creation and everything on the website for
2: you oh uh, um well since i'm for Savage Rifts and that campaign, I did uh, Savaged US, which is an online character creator for all of Savage Worlds, actually. Um, it wasn't too bad. I had never played Savage Worlds before. I had the book sitting here and I went, uh, okay, I need to actually look at this. Um, I mean, it's, a, it's close to a point-by system, uh, so a little bit of confusion, but... You know that's just the system, um, and then the other game I played was a, a Dead Rain Antarctica one-shot that you ran, um, and there show up and there's your character, <laughs> which is fine by me.
1: <laughs> and and what about what about you, Skip? Uh, what what what's been your uh, your kind of experiences so far?
4: You know, it's like anything else when you join a new community. There's always going to be that brief learning curve. And I think one of the real advantages that you have with the website that you guys have created is you have a lot of questions already answered for new players. So if you go through and you read the original posts, it gives you a pretty good idea of, okay, this is the template that I use for creating my character. This is where I place that. This is the process I go through to have the GM approve my character and things of that nature. So having everything spelled out and a place to reference back to really helps to streamline the process and the fact that all of the gms it appears across the board on explorers unlimited have come up with a codified set of rules that they're going to use really makes it easy for me who is someone new to the community that's making a character in essentially two different gaming universes one rifts one you know dead rain um the process is the same even though they are separate campaigns which is really helpful and makes it a lot easier on me as a player.
1: Yeah, and just to uh just to tack on a little uh a little commentary on that uh, the one thing I would say uh is always kind of be a little bit flexible uh when it comes to what the rules might be. Now, the the core rules are the core rules and this is one one reason why we do not deviate from Uh, core rules at all uh, across the websites. Um, It's because everybody then has a baseline to operate from. Everyone understands what the rules are. There's no fundamental changes. Uh, Now on the little, on the margin, some little nuanced things like the interpretation of the effects of a spell, you'll find those will gradually change over time a little, like very incrementally. Um, So, and that's why we have an entire uh, subform for house rules. Um, <laughs> uh, all broken down through table contents, so it's easily indexable and everything, but it's it's a lot. Um, but these are on the margins, so it's something to, if you're not sure, you can check, like uh, carpet of adhesion, for example. Uh, you know, we have a, because it's slightly vague, we have it slightly more clarified under our house rules. Same thing for, I think it's magic net or something like that. Uh, there's a couple of uh, different spells that are like that. Likewise with psionics and good Lord, the superpowers kind of, yeah, there's a ton of that. Uh, but, but these are all done uh, through the community as a whole and the GMs kind of have like a democratic process where we kind of go in, crap on each other's ideas. And eventually something comes out that's approximating uh, a, what do you, what would you call it? A, a compromise that works best forever. It satisfies no one perfectly, but works best for everyone. And everyone can agree is, man, eh, it's okay.
4: Well, and when you're doing something like a play by post system or something like that, having everything predefined is very helpful. Also having some, explicit rules really helps to focus players on contributing to the campaign as opposed to just my character is going to do whatever he wants to do and it's up to the GM to figure it out. You know, that's not a very fair way to go about things. And just having a set of rules that you can reference back to makes it a lot easier when formulating posts and things like that. Yeah, agreed.
1: Um, And and comms, um, I know you haven't got a character yet, but you're clearly... Uh, waiting with bated breath uh for john to get uh beyond the supernatural started uh have you taken a look at character creation is there you have any, you have any kind of questions about that or anything like that
3: um so i have i've been creating characters um for the roll 20 game the the bts roll 20 game and i think um, that's a great way for me to actually learn the system cuz i've never played bts before um and yeah it's it's um it's nice because like you're letting me create a lot of new characters and uh, i'm learning the um, pros and cons of different character classes and i i think for now um i am kind of okay with how character creation works uh i just i'm not sure how um, I think my most my most of my questions would be about how actually play by post works because I've never played that before and I've just done roll twenty.
1: Yeah, that's a that's actually a pretty that's actually a pretty good point uh, for because there's a lot of folks who, well, aim number one, in the in the various Discord communities out there, there's a lot of people who will have what I don't know uh, every every previous like computer generation every every i've I recognize discord as a chat service there's no posting to be done it's they're all it, it these are these are chats they're chat dialogues text chat um so i think of every kind of game on, on a discord server like that actually gets done on a discord channel as a play by chat a lot of people call that play by post but when I'm thinking play by post. I'm thinking posting to a bulletin board that, which is a kind of approach that's been done since the nineties. So it's a, it's a gaming medium. That's been, you know, it's a collaborative uh, storytelling medium in a posted format on a website, usually PHP, BB, although sometimes it's a more interesting type of a, uh, versions of uh, websites out there um i've even seen some on squarespace sites that have merch and everything weird um but it's it's you know it's linear it's on a certain uh kind of post rate uh eu is weekly you know you have to log in and read everything and and say what your characters character is going to do because the gm is going to post at least every week um and your so are your your fellow players and stuff like that. So you're all interacting, and it's yeah, it's a linear, sequential um, narrative storytelling where you post what you anticipate a little bit. Like the GM will say, uh, like, which we'll take it to a classic dunder crawl example. It's like uh, you know, comms Andy and Skip enter this enter the 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 cellar. You see before you two doors at the end of the stone, of the, of the stone flagstone hallways and what have you. Uh, you know, there's, there's, you know, you, and you describe the details of the spider webs and the casks along either side of the walls. And, you know, the rusting, the rusting knockers on the doors and beyond there lies. Who knows what? And what are you going to do? What are your intentions? Is often what I write. Uh, a lot of different GMs write things differently. I like the specificity of what are your intentions at the end of my GM post, because that's what a player writes. Uh, what, are the, what their character's intended actions are. What the actual results are, are what the GM says. And that's going to be a negotiation between uh, the dice, whatever context the GM whips up, which you may or may not be able to foresee, uh, <laughs> like. If you open that door and it's and a blade swings down from the ceiling, you know, there, I mean, there's some mechanics that we have like just in case rolls or stuff like that to cover contingencies like that. But otherwise, it's like, hey, um, the GM writes what happens in the story. And if you've got, you know, some content in there that gives him an idea of what your character would do, he works that out and, you know, you write what your intentions are. And then at the end of the week, after everybody's posted, he gets up another post and the story progresses in a linear fashion. And you, you know, you step through that doorway and out of the out of the cellar and into the first, you know, into the first uh, first step of the dungeon. This-
3: right. But um, uh, so like when we played Roll20 games with you, uh, there was an initial phase where the Players could discuss what they wanted to do together, right? And like come up with something. So, how would that work in a play by post format?
1: Uh, you can actually, if you want, uh, post frequently with your fellow player characters, or you can, and this is often what is done using Discord, uh, or you can ask your fellow player characters in Discord, Hey, we're facing this situation, what are we going to do? Blah, blah 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 blah. Uh, I'm actually a player character in one riffs group. Uh, called the girls of Marktown to technically not quite, but pretty much all female uh, character group uh, played by almost all men, <laughs> which is interesting. Uh, and yeah, um, we kind of try to figure out like, uh, I think the last thing we had, uh, uh, we we're, for, were going across the Amazon uh, on this really sketchy jungle trail and uh, we're, you know, we're driving the the Jeep that we've got, and I'm on a hover, and my character's on a hover cycle, and one person's up in the air in a flying powered armor suit, and uh, but we, can, we come to a river that's too big for the ATV to cross. So, you know, we discuss it in the chat room, and we're like, hey, what do we want to do, blah, 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 and we settle upon, hey, let's chop down some trees, there's some big trees here. And we could drive over. That'll probably take a while. And we get to start doing that in post. And then one of the players pops in and says, hey, just, uh, just to remind you guys, Jezebel, my character, uh, could probably pick up the ATV and jump across the thing. So, yeah, there's that. And then we all kind of discuss it. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll try that. <laughs> and lo and behold, I didn't know what the result would be. But the GM uh, posted the result, and it was favorable for us, and it made my characters feel like a dumbass because she should know. Hey, I can do something like this.
3: I see. That's that's funny. Uh, so, who rolls the dice? Do you, the players, or the GM rolls?
1: Uh, the both the GM rolls for everyone except for the players, uh, for the player characters. So, all the NPCs, all that. But you will never see any kind of GM rolls. Um, they do that off-camera um, in whatever fashion they prefer. Uh, but player characters, uh, the players roll that, and it's done in line on the form. There is a die roller built into the website. so. Oh, okay. I didn't know that.
4: That's cool. Yeah, it works fantastic. Yeah. Uh,
1: I'm still trying to get used to it because it's new because uh, we upgraded the board at the end of last year. Um, so I'm still get acclimating to this, but... Yeah, it works. works very well. It hates you. At least it hates me. Uh, but
4: oh no, no, it's pretty merciless.
1: <laughs> uh, but hopefully that explains everything.
3: Yeah, it does. Uh, so, so okay. So, like, let's say there's a there's a box that's locked, and I, I my intention as a player is to open it, and then then I guess the GM has to tell me what skills I need to open it, and then I roll the skills.
1: You can look at your look at your skills, list the ones you think are most likely and most appropriate, and post them. And you oh, just state okay. this what your intentions are. It's like, um, I'm going to use trap mind detection to open this box, and you know if the GM thinks that uh, that's appropriate, that'll work. If not, it'll be like, nah, that didn't work. But maybe I'll select one of your other skills if I'm a generous GM, and be I like, see. actually, okay. this one works. Or he might just poke you through discord and be like, um, use this skill
3: okay, okay, got it, thanks.
1: yeah, so we use uh either hangouts or discard and discord, and we communicate um you know, and you know and you know some people are gonna consider that metagaming, but I don't think so. I think that's just kind of coordinating in real time, like players would at a table, um only difference being it's digital, and yeah, it's pretty cool. So okay, um, let's go back to the top, I guess. And uh, let's uh, address Roll20. Uh, What have your experiences, impressions been so far? Uh, Tell us about the adventure you were on, what have you. Uh,
2: I guess the top means me. So, this this is my first time using roll twenty for anything, um, and uh, Ooh. well, my the adventure that I'm on is is really cool. Um, the game is essentially playing level zero to one of a Rifts character in the Chai Town Uh so. Character generation? I don't know. I'll let you know after the campaign when my character's finally done. Uh I, I could also be true.
1: Um, so let me let me pause right there. So you're playing in a roll twenty campaign through Savage Rifts on uh on Roll Twenty over there?
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. I was thinking that was an EU thing or uh Uh, Play by post thing. Oh, okay, cool. So Pat's running a roll twenty Chitown game. Sweet.
2: Yeah, it's kind of interesting because he's half like he's. I can see the play by post mindset. Like we have, we do, we're writing interludes and summaries and like what happened between, but it's not full play by post by any measure. Um,
1: Okay, so he's using roll twenty as kind of like a. A combat resolution thing?
2: No, no. Uh, Like, we do the full session in Roll20. But then he says, okay, it's going to be two months between this session and the next session. Uh, Explain why your character goes up, gains in advance. Uh, What happened? What advance did you gain? Why did you gain it? Like, by the way, you have to get in trouble with a mob or, you know, something.
4: So he's running his downtime on the board, which, Bingo. that makes sense.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what that sounds like. That's actually something I've done uh, previously with the Riff's Humble Origins campaign, which some of them really got into that uh, on a couple of occasions, uh, just a couple of them. Um, like, I think uh, Steve's character, Chuck, uh, he, I can't, he's, he's a caseman, or, or was a caseman. And uh, he just wanted to steal a car because he felt like they they all got gypped on their latest uh, escapade. So he was like, on my downtime between sessions, I'm going to go steal a car. And so we kind of, we just had private communiques back and forth, back and forth. I'm going to go there. Okay, well, I'm going to case that. And then he ended up at a Chinese restaurant casing the parking garage that's next to a bank. And he's like, oh, there are going to be nice cars there, right? I mean, it's a bank. And indeed, there were. As well as armored cars and other stuff, but he, you know, he cases it, and then I'm, I'm like role playing this annoying Chinese waiter, and I I mean, it's just the whole nine yards, and he ends up, but the one down, the one, one thing you can't really do in downtime because it's strictly kind of narrative, is like, you know, I mean, you can do some skill checks, but it's like we're far too. Small scale, abstract, whatever for big combats or anything like that. Um, so we keep it just to you know skill checks and then dramatic narrative moments and stuff like that.
2: Yeah, I think in my last downtime, uh, I got contracted to carry out an assassination, but it's strictly narrative. I just wrote like, so and so, one of his NPCs, um, you know, said, "Would would you please go kill this guy?" I just, you know, I wrote it in and said, "Okay, let me know if there's any problem with that." Um, awesome. And of course, you know, what's one more dead guy in chi Town?
1: Yeah, that's nah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, and what about uh, what about? Uh, well, let's go down the let's go down the list. Goms, what about you so far? I think you've been in a couple of different things now.
3: I have, yeah, and it, it's been great. Uh, so, roll twenty was. My first real RPG introduction. I'd never played RPGs before, and uh, yeah, I really liked the one-shots that you organized uh, because it, it like let me ex- get the experience of playing in an RPG without having to deal with um, uh, character creation or um, figuring out what the rules are. It was really nice to have all the macros that you just click on it and it rolls for you. It was really cool and um like the maps for example the, that was like amazing uh just just like like in a real world like you're here so this is your field of view and that's all you can see in the in, on the screen as well and that was really cool and i i really appreciated that um and yeah that, i guess that's why i signed up uh to play uh to, to be a supporter on eu
1: yeah the uh well i appreciate that by the way uh and uh yeah the that i I kind of um especially with the dead rain one shots right you know it's a very simple game system because i mean it's people guns and zombies pretty much right you don't get too much simpler um that's that's true
3: but but we had one rifts game and there were spells and everything And now that I'm making the characters, I, I know that like there's more to it than just clicking the button, right? Because you have to like add all the rules into that, into those macros.
1: Yeah. Uh but I yeah, I did view I this is why I, I started with Dead Rain was it's kind of like it's it's the it's the huffy bicycle of of you know RPGs. You know, it's it's easy to get on, it's easy to it's easy to get started. And, you know, I have training wheels on it even with the macros. So you don't need to know all the theory or you can just get on and pedal, right? Uh, And it it, it tries to make it it an easy introduction for people new to RPGs. And there's not a lot of role playing so much in like uh, most Dead Rain kind of stuff, at least not the one shots. But, uh, you know, it it introduces you to the basic functions, what resolves conflicts, you know, uh, and I imagine every normie knows, you know, we're all nerds to chuck dice. Well, this is why we chuck the dice It's to resolve our conflicts, right?
3: Right, right. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Like, uh, but I think one of the later, I think one of the rifts uh, systems that we played last time was a bit more uh, complex in that sense. Like there were more rules and it was, it was nice. It was for me a nice step going from red, dead rain to rifts where it, it got more complex and more interesting that way
1: yeah and yeah that definitely was i think uh which one was the rifts one was that the prison break on the ship
3: yeah the prison break on the ship uh yeah and th- there was a there was also one before where we didn't quite complete the mission i think oh
1: yeah yeah that was the uh, we had to like break out
3: somebody yeah. right 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 that was fun
1: <laughs> yeah and you know rifts it kind of dials everything up to 11. Like Dead Rain is, like I said, pretty simple, right? It's people's z- zombies and guns. Uh, so pretty basic. But like you uh, like you observed, there's like spells, there's psionics, there's all kinds of different abilities and powers and rifts. It's it's really got a lot of potential complexity. The actual mechanics are all the same, basically. Um, you know, Palladium is a fairly simple system in some regards. Uh so there's that. But yeah, it, it definitely adds to the complexity and uh but you know, when you put it on through macros and everything, it's like having your training wheel still. So it keeps things somewhat simple. Right, right.
3: And and also I really appreciated your uh, idea of having secret objectives for the players. I think that was great.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was that's <laughs> that's the uh that's purely an invention of my own. I, I gotta say, uh, I think. That awesome, I, brilliant. <laughs> uh, I think my wife actually made that suggestion. I'm not sure, uh, but the it's not a thing in role playing games or really in role twenty games. I don't think, but you know, it's if you're a one, if it's a one shot, you're not really getting to know the character too well because you're just, you know, you're in that that girl's skin for three hours, for four hours. So you're not going to get time to really know her. You didn't make her. You didn't invent this history of her life up to this point in your head while you were making this this character. So it's good to have something to add a little depth and flavor. And what are her motivations? Well, you know, she wants, She's her dad's the chief of police and she doesn't really see him that often. And maybe she wants to sneak in while they're breaking into the, into the cop shop and uh, leave him a note.
3: You know. Right, right, yeah, yeah, and it it makes it a bit more real because you know you you can like it's hard to say like play this character as as a confident person, whereas like if you have a secret objective like this, then it kind of forces you to think about how you want to do it.
1: Right, uh, and so any other uh, feedback regarding some of the uh, some of your role playing experiences so far,
3: comps. Um, I think that's that's it. Like it's been great, and it was a great introduction for me to role playing games in general.
1: Awesome. Well, welcome to the nerding community. Uh, we'll teach you the nerding way. Um, Skip, you're up.
4: Yeah, this is I think my third thing I've played on Roll Twenty. Originally, I got on Roll20 because a person from our in real life gaming group was getting ready to move out of state, and we were trying to come up with a way to keep her incorporated in our campaign, and one of our players stumbled across Roll20, and they're like, well, what if we just did this instead? And so we played around with that for about a month or so, but I think our GM fundamentally just did not like it, um, because as you being a GM are probably well aware of, you know, there's a pretty big time sink setting everything up in Roll20 as well as just writing out your campaign. So um, ultimately he decided not to proceed with that and that's fine and we, we carried on without her. But uh, I got a hankering to play a role-playing game that literally nobody has ever even heard of except for myself and maybe a dozen other people. And so I figured, well, you know, there are a lot of campaigns going on on Roll20. Why don't I take a look around and see if I can find something? And fortunately I did, and I joined that game. And while I was scrolling through, I happened to stumble across Rifts. And I'm like, well, I haven't played Rifts in 15 years. Nobody wants to play it anymore. How exciting is that? So I decided to uh, go ahead and jump on that. And I have to say, Um, playing in a Roll20 game with a GM who has placed the amount of time and effort necessary to craft a good interactive adventure really makes a huge difference. I mean, as Com said, things like when you move your token, your sight lines on the map change. I didn't even know you could do that. I did not know you could do dynamic lighting. There's a whole slew of things that you've really put into the campaign that make it even in some ways better than actually just sitting around a table with some miniatures. And that, you know, my site, my line of sight is only what I can see, which prevents me from metagaming, which is something I appreciate as a player. I can't see where the other players are. So we actually have to work together and communicate, you know, and just having the macros built in, like you said, they're like training wheels. So I don't have to look up and go, okay, well I need to take this base stat, add this modifier because of this skill to this, and then roll this. It's just, I click the macro, it rolls the dice, we move on with the story. And it really helps to enrich the storytelling component as opposed to getting into the granularness of the mechanics components. And I really appreciate all the effort you've put into it, and I'm having a great time with it so far, and I'm looking forward to uh, this Humble Origins campaign you've got coming up.
1: Yeah, and I will say, uh, you don't have to use Roll20. Like, most of the Roll20 experiences I've had as a player, and there haven't been too many, uh, primarily because of this. Uh, Most of my Roll20 experiences as a player have been people who use it with very bare minimum of, of features. They'll use the die roller that's in there. They'll use that map function, but they won't actually look go out of their way to get a good map. Um, they're definitely not doing any kind of lighting things on there, and it's pretty basic. They're thinking literal tabletop, right? Where this can actually do a hell of a lot more, um, If but it does require you to put in some time. Uh, it's all front loaded though. So once the time's been put in, you don't have to do it again. Like when the characters macros are all done, you don't have to mess with that character again, unless you know, he gets a new spell or skill or whatever. And then you're just, I mean, that's it. It's, it's, it's done. It's there. It's at your disposal. It's a tool. It's a tool belt. And you can just pull out your tools whenever, whenever you need as you need it. Um does require a lot of that and you know a lot of people with full-time jobs and who do this as a hobby like i do um they don't have the luxury of uh, you know doing this stuff at work like i do often
4: well and it's like anything else you know if if you're into playing role-playing games or playing miniature games you can either do it theater of the mind you can use cardboard stand-ups you can have painted miniatures and fully detailed terrain this is a depth as you really want to go with it you know, and what I really enjoyed about the uh, prison break that I was in with comms was it felt very much like a con game. You know, I showed up at a table. I sat down with some people I didn't really know. I got to know them a little bit and we drove some rental characters, you know, and the, driving <laughs> a rental character is a little bit liberating because, you know, you don't have to take it home at the end of the day. So,
1: yeah, you're not changing the oil on your rental character. You're like, well, I don't care if I drive this thing into the ground.
4: I'm going to take 600 MDC? Sure, fine. Let's go.
1: I, I, the idea of a rental character. That's an excellent way to think of a pregen. Thank you. I would never really made that analogy.
4: That makes me want to put rental characters into all sorts of games. <laughs> well, you know, it's like a regular character over time, you know, you get attached to them, you know, you've put a lot of time and energy into developing them, picking out the skills, showing up to all of your sessions. With a one-shot, you're not afraid if you break it, which gives you some freedom.
2: Yeah,
1: and one of the uh, things I will actually go out of my way to specify, uh, if you're playing like a Rifts game, um, like a Rifts one-shot, or uh, we have Robotech coming up uh, for very long, I think I'm damn near done. Um, I was anticipating June, but I think I'll probably pre be done long before that. Um, you have, uh, like if you if your pre-gen dies, well, it's been fun. Feel free to hang around and listen and see what goes on. But I mean, that's that, right? Because it's a finite number of characters. Whereas the one nice thing with dead rain is I've created enough pre-gens that, much like if anybody's ever played the game Left 4 Dead, um, if you get your character killed, like, your teammates can end up, and this hasn't happened yet, uh, but your teammates can end up finding you another character Elsewhere on the map, because I will literally be like, okay, well, go to the, you know, the landing page, grab yourself a character, a new character, uh, not the same one, that one's dead, um, at least for this game, and, you know, come back, and we'll play, I'll place him on the map, and uh, they can try to find him, get him out of that closet that he's been locked in, scared, hiding from the zombies for, you know?
4: And I will say, you know, being a veteran of this convention circuit, some of my most fond memories gaming outside of my core group of friends have always been with a rental character because you're more willing to take those great big risks and do those crazy things that you wouldn't normally do with your own character because you know, it's probably going to get them killed. And that's where all of like the really memorable experiences come from.
1: Yeah. When you've uh, especially, and this is especially the case of like Savage Worlds where it sounds like it's a quicker, simpler system. And it's definitely a more logical system, but like I made a Savage Rips character and it, that took me every bit of three hours to make because of the point by you can really get granular and min max and do it. I mean, it's all trade-offs. So there's no better or worse. Uh, there's just trade-offs, but boy, you can really get granular and ooh, but I wanna, I want a lawn so I can have this and oh, but I need this for a feet. And you can get really, 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 gritty in there whereas with palladium i mean the system doesn't always make that clear a sense but and good lord knows there's enough skills to you know write out or whatever if you're like old school writing a character sheet um but you know you might invest an hour or two in creating a character but boy versus zero time with a pre-gen yeah you know you get that plus that character creation process especially with palladium characters if you think of their skill selection as being influenced by things in their lives like okay well why does this person have haiku why did i choose haiku anyway why why why, why, why do what is why does this uh angler fisherman uh write poetry you know or whatever the case may be and you got to kind of justify these things in your mind a little bit and it kind of informs who this person is and boom yeah you know this guy better than your uncle your uncle dave that weirdo on your on your mom's side and then you end up you know playing him and you're like i don't want dave to jump in front of that fireball i know it's a good thing you know i'd probably get a lot of experience but i might die uh, i don't think you'd be that brave
4: it ramps up the tension
1: uh, whereas with the rental character, you're like, hell, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Screw Uncle Dave. <laughs> right? Throw him in front of the firewall. Let's be awesome.
2: It, it almost makes me want to lease my characters for all my games. I was actually chatting with one of my GMs for normal games today, and I'm like, uh, can this just be easier? Like, I don't care about my character. <laughs>
1: And this is always my my problem with, uh, with certain other game systems without naming any of them. Um, if you don't get invested in your character, where's the pleasure in playing it? I don't get it. I, I, I mean, okay, if you're playing Paranoia, that's one thing, <laughs> right? Uh, and comms being a newbie to this, well, go look that one up at a later date on YouTube or something. Because Paranoia is a crazy game from the 80s great fun but just wacky Uh, okay i know that (laughs) and it's kind of obscure by this point i think uh
4: but no no they just re-released a new version of it like a year ago yeah oh
2: yeah you can always trust the computer the computer is your friend
1: oh my gosh
2: they replaced they replaced the mutant commie terrorists. Uh, the Mutant Commie Traders with terrorist Mutant Terrorist Traders.
4: It's definitely a beer and pretzels kind of game. You know, you don't go into it with any high expectations other than hilarity. Yeah. Uh,
1: and, you know, FYI, These, this is the kind of stuff that uh, gamers have gotten up to over the last, you know, 40 years since this hobby's come about. There's all <laughs> kinds of different games. There's, yeah, Mutant
3: like, Terrorist sounds insane. It's like, what, <laughs> what? <laughs>
1: Yes, mutant commie terrorists, uh, your clones. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, there's all kinds of you know, very eccentric role-playing games out there. I remember we were, at, we were at when we were at Gen Con one year, my wife ended up getting accosted by a game designer and developer who had, was trying to market his game uh, called Squirrel Attack, which was a role-playing game based on like a farm where you, you're role-playing squirrels who are trying to... Yeah, it, it, but he was all about that. And he had special dice made up for the squirrels. You name it.
4: And then there's the halfway role-playing games, like you've got Descent and... uh Yeah. What's the what's the zombie one, Dead of Winter? And oh, a few that others. Is. That's where really it's, close. You have yeah, like a pre-generated character, and it's still some role-playing aspects, but it's also a board game.
1: Yeah, Arkham Horror is another one like that. It's fantastic and can fully take as long as a role-playing game. Oh, I've
4: got all the expansions for that. That's that has <laughs> passes the box weight test when you pick it up, and it feels like it weighs thirty-five pounds.
1: And might with all the expansions. Uh, so, uh, any okay? So, open forum time here. Uh, any questions regarding any any of the? Anything really, uh, Roll20, uh, myself, the gaming, uh, EU, the various sites, what, whatever you want. Oh, uh, being a supporter, because I know I think all three of you are supporters now. Um, and FYI, a little question on from my end have any of you taken a look at patron items?
3: Was Not that a folder you sent? Sorry.
2: I think my question was the same as comms. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of looked at it and wasn't clear what all the benefits were.
1: Okay, so I kind of thought this might be the case with uh, patron items. Um, so uh, patron items uh, depends on like your uh, tier, of course. Um, so if like if you're a freaking diamond, uh, you can choose from any of the tiers. If you're like silver, you could choose a bronze or a silver tier item. Um, they're basically a set of items that are unique to supporters. Uh, you character just gets one, uh, you know, um, and you don't have to. And certain games are going to restrict certain ones. Like there's no magic in Dead Rain. So I'm sorry, no magic swords out of the patron bundle or whatever. But there might be uh, like, um, but there might be like a, a a badass pistol that's a patron item that maybe the Dead Rain uh GM is like, yeah, okay, yeah, I'll love that as a patron item. Uh, but they're primarily kind of focused for like riffs, they cover the gamut, uh, but they kind of also work in like Century Station with a little tweaking, uh, which is a heroes unlimited uh game, like superheroes. Um, same thing with like uh the fantasy game. A lot of the stuff also translates over to fantasy, not all of it. Um, so they're and so they're basically unique items that are speci- that are kind of little extra special cool. Uh, they're not totally like uh, game imbalancing or anything like that. They're not amazing, although they some of them can be pretty damn awesome. Um, so I'll, I'll actually go take a look at real quick
2: and uh, shoot go ahead and shoot out the next question or what have you. I will take a look at them first.
4: So I have a question for comms. What made you decide to give role-playing a try?
3: Oh, the, the pandemic. <laughs> it's something that uh, there's nothing much to do. It's so cold here. So it's, it's like we can't go out and do much outside. And pandemic, so can't be indoors much, uh, like, you know, in museums or whatever. So and something fun, uh, meet new people, I guess. Uh, so, yeah, that's why I thought of trying it out. How long have you guys been playing?
2: I started in middle school. Uh, low those young, long years ago.
4: Um, so a while. Oh. I would say easily 20 plus years on my side. Much like uh, Andy just said, you know, I got my start at uh, the end of middle school, beginning of high school. And then uh, I've represented several game companies throughout the years at various conventions and things like that. And what's interesting oh, wow. is pretty much any friend that I've had for a long period of time, I met either through gaming or through conventions. And uh, yeah, I used to rep for Steve Jackson Games and a couple other companies at conventions and until I made him mad at a con once. So he wouldn't <laughs> let me do that anymore.
1: <laughs> uh, his, yeah, I've, I've seen him a couple of times. At, I think it's Gen Con. Uh, pretty cool dude. And fan a legend in the industry. Um, I started back in 1982 when I was a whopping eight years old. And I got, uh, I don't even remember how. I think I got it for a birthday or something. Uh, my parents were not very religious. So they didn't get the whole uh, demonic panic of the 80s. Uh, that swept through a lot of the Christian communities in America, uh, but I got a red box um, of Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, like a couple weeks after this kid Jared Daly, who I still remember his name, he had uh, a magenta uh, book. I don't, I don't know if it even came in a box. Um, he had a Dungeons and Dragons magenta-covered um, like playing book and i remember him showing it off at show and tell because like okay, we were i was eight years old and uh I, you know i already had like a really good i had like collegiate level uh, reading skills at that time because i was just a reader so i remember i think i probably lobbied my parents or something and a couple weeks later i had the red box D set and i think i mostly read that game But I remember playing it a couple of times with a couple of my friends, Uh, probably not even according to the rules, because, you know, I I doubt, even though I was a good reader, that I was smart enough to understand the rules at eight years old. But, uh, uh, yeah, and then from there, it's just, you know, years and years of different role-playing games, although I think there was like a a four- to six-year hiatus between grade school and high school, and that's about when I think I picked back up. And that was with uh, Robotech and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, both of which just happened to be Palladium uh, games. So they got me hooked from there. And uh, I've dabbled in every a, a lot of other systems, but I always seem to come back to that Palladium because it's just the most comfortable.
4: I actually came in the other route. I came in through the miniatures route. I got started with Battletech back in 88, maybe? And once I realized they had a role-playing component, I'm like, well, what is this all about? And then I got (laughs) sucked into Ultima. And then I realized, wait a minute, I can play Ultima with my friends. What, what? (laughs) And yeah, shout out to Richard Garriott. And, uh, (laughs) that definitely drug me down the rabbit hole. So,
1: yeah, I remember my friend and I, we, we were my best friend, uh, Adrian and I, we both went to the San Francisco Robotech convention, uh, because we are in the Bay Area, and we were all of 12, and um, he ended up getting the Battletech box set, and I got the Robotech role-playing game, and we would trade, (laughs) and we would, uh, yeah, we we just, we played those things relentlessly. It was so much, such a good, like, learning experience, because, man, they're they're not pitching their games at 12-year-old boys. They're pitching their games at, like, 16 17 year olds you know reading level wise so you're like learning you're uh, you know incorporating these new words into your vocabulary without even thinking about it and you know you're also having a, a blast you're also totally not following the rules but you're trying to figure them out and yeah it's a it's just a fun a fun way to waste time uh, with a buddy you know on a on a weekend night or something
4: i really credit playing role-playing games for helping me to retain my imagination into adulthood.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it got me through the most horrific parts of college, which are mind-numbing. So, Uh, But to bring it back to the patron items for a moment, uh, for example, and I popped a link in the patron item in the uh, Discord chat for you guys to look at, and then we'll be off here pretty soon. Uh, You'll notice there's something like the NG Equalizer, uh, which is basically just a hand cannon. So that'll that's not going to work in a fantasy setting, but in a game like Dead Rain, it might work just fine. It's just a big ass pistol. Uh, likewise, it probably worked just fine in any other type of modern setting, like a superhero kind of game, or even in riffs because they have hand cannons and riffs. Uh, likewise, they have uh, like the uh, Clockwork Wolf. And that is a techno wizard magic construct kind of thing. So that's kind of going to be kind of specialized. So you're not going to see that in every kind of setting or even be available in every kind of setting. But it's something pretty cool and pretty interesting. And certain types of players have or like to have pets or minions. And this is something to kind of, you know, uh, appeal to them. But yeah, and there's all those choices. So you know, if you're a if you're a, a, a diamond supporter and you have literally all of those to choose from, you only get one <laughs> uh, in addition to the uh, some sort of load bearing thing. But uh, so you have to really decide what you want. Um, but it sticks with your character, and it's not something that uh, GMs are discouraged from just going out of the way to destroy or whatever. Um, so yeah. It's a neat little uh, extra element, and like I said, they're not tend not to be super game imbalancing or anything like that. They're not amazing, but they're pretty cool. Uh, anyway, uh, any other questions before we wrap this oh, up?
3: Just a quick one: Which of these groups does BTS belong to?
1: You talking about the patron items? Yeah. Uh, I don't know uh you might want to bring that up with john and be like hey what kind of patron items if any do you see as being available in beyond the supernatural
3: okay sounds good thanks
1: because the role of dimension masters is uh, you know they're the guys in charge of their setting like i'm the dimension master for riffs um and they're going to kind of determine what the parameters for that dimension they could just be like none (laughs) keep these things out of my game i don't i don't i don't want them here they're it's too much work or too imbalancing whatever uh but yeah uh, best to take that up with him because there's some elements of magic in beyond the supernatural they're just it's really hard and it's really expensive to do and it's you know, it's, it's, it's very troublesome and it's usually kind of tied to something wicked and sinister. Alrighty. Well then, in that case, uh, folks, it has been a wonderful uh, discussion. Uh, thanks for coming on. And I will talk to you uh, soon, and FYI, I just dropped it in here today because I was going to have a uh, um, I was going to be playing uh, the Ghost of Saltmarsh Marsh campaign, 5th uh, edition, which but John wasn't feeling well, so that won't be going on. So we have a, a, a dead rain one shot happening in just under an hour. If anybody wants to join, feel free. And uh, there's links all over the internet, Discord, uh, if you want to hop in for that.
3: Thank you.
0: Thanks for having us.
4: Thank you.
2: All right. Have a good night.
0: This has been Radio Free Murktown, a WMRK production. Contact us at radiofreemurktown@gmail.com at gmail.com and support Radio Free Murktown on Patreon for as little as $2 per month. Visit us on the web at ExplorersUnlimited.com for more information.